Welcome to another episode of Queer For It, a podcast hosted by three queer friends living in Austin, Texas, bringing you a weekly dose of queer realness and laughs. My name is Chris. I'm queer. I use she, her pronouns, and my Instagram is at the yellow bandit. I am also Chris. My pronouns are he, him, and my Instagram is at see the stars ablaze, and I identify as a trans man. <laughs> Important. And I'm Courtney. Uh, I'm a lesbian. I also use she, her pronouns, and my Instagram is at court underscore Rhodes. And this week we have a very special guest with us. Uh, she's mm-hmm. my friend Bonnie. Her, so sorry guys. <laughs> she's my friend Bonnie Erzo. She was the president of P Flag for two years, and I met her when she was working with my favorite uh, business accelerator organization here in town called Div Inc. And she is also the parent to a trans individual. So there was a couple reasons why we asked you to come on, but honestly, we're just really glad you had time for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's great. And thank you so much for that introduction. Appreciate you. Um, so Bonnie, can you, can you give us a, we normally start with a coming out story. Do you feel like there was a time in your life where you had to come out to people? Did you have an incident like this? Well, first of all, let me tell you my pronouns are she and her. And uh, I am a heterosexual um, person and I have a transgender son. And I guess my coming out was, and I'm cisgender. I, my coming out was, huh, what is cisgender? And what, what does all this stuff mean? And it was because my son came out as being transgender. He's a, a female to male. And I didn't know what any of this was all about. I grew up outside of New York City. I had lots of queer friends, but trans? Like what on earth was that? I had no idea until my son came out. And it didn't have me question my gender identity or my sexuality, but it had me think about wow, this is something that you, that's important because not everybody is cisgender. I didn't even know what that word was, that that even word existed. I didn't know the word transgender existed. The first thing I did when my son came out was went, oh my God, I have to Google this. What on earth does all this mean? Like, I don't care. You're not an ax murderer, but so I need to learn about this. So for me, I guess you could say that was my coming out because I learned through my son that there's this world out there that identifies as part of the LGBTQIA+, because at PFLAG, that is what we use. And we're going to finish the rest of the alphabet one day. (laughs) But for me, it was, I need to learn and understand this, this world because I have a son who identifies as something and I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super relatable for like one for sure not just parents of like trans kids but like friends of trans kids like I she's my twin sister and like when I was like I'm trans I'm sure there was a whole google session that I wasn't a part of you know like (laughs) well yeah like I had like heard of it but it was like until it like is that close to home you don't you don't really think about it and I feel like that's how a lot of people's like identities and just like general like concern for others is like if if you're not like close to, you know, someone in a specific minority group, it's kind of hard for it to be something that you actively care about or fight for or whatever. And I think Chris obviously is like the first trans person that I was really close to, but for a lot of people is also the first trans person that they've met or like mm-hmm. gotten to 
see in real life, you mm -hmm. know, because to some people it's like this thing that's like, oh, it only exists like on the internet or in Hollywood or something, you know? Um, so I think that that helps people, I guess, get a little bit of perspective on that. Like, even though like cis is the quote norm, it's not all there is. And then it also has, you have to reframe, like maybe I didn't have to come out or you didn't have to come out as anything different than what you are, but you do have to come out in that you had to come to terms with reframing your world around a different narrative, which I think is really interesting. Well, it's been an educational process. And for me, my son has said to me, you know, mom, not everybody who's trans has to be an advocate like you. <laughs> he doesn't realize by the things he does in life, he's actually advocating, but I'm not gonna tell him that because he'd be really <laughs> angry with me. But his existence alone is his advocation yeah, for it. Exactly. And, and I'll share with you other things that obviously he has done in, in his life and, and why he is technically advocating for who he is. But for me, as the president, and it's PFLAG Austin, not PFLAG yes. National, just Sorry, so you know, yeah, yeah. We, we will clarify that. Um, <laughs> for me, when we look at an organization like PFLAG, there are three key things that PFLAG does educate, advocate, and support. So support through PFLAG Austin before we went through um, COVID. Oh my God, how many support group meetings? There were six a month all over the place, ranging from, oh, I don't even remember. We added a whole bunch, but we're supposed to just be PFLAG Austin and we're doing stuff a, a little bit further. But my focus was really on education. And that's because that's my comfort level was educating. I don't go to the state capital. I don't have time. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of advocacy work. I leave that to other people within our organization and within the community as both allies and those who identify in the community. I leave that to the people who know what on earth they're doing because I haven't a clue. And, and I'm not a big fan of doing something I have no idea. Um, so we've got support, advocacy, and education. And one of the things that I did was I started reaching out into the corporate community saying, how can we as PFLAG Austin help you, Susie Company, in educating your employees? And that was a big role that I took on at PFLAG as well as being in the, the support group meetings, um, quite honestly. I'm a big fan of tough love, which is kind of hard to do in a support group meeting. So my mouth was shut a lot, unless it was an educational kind of thing. As the parent of a transgender son, sitting in a support group meeting where there's a parent who is ready to throw their kid out because they identify in the LGBT spectrum, I wanted to jump across and choke them and say, yeah, put on your, your big girl panties or big boy boxers or take your underwear off. I don't care. <laughs> but, you know, love your kid. Oh, my God. So I'm not a warm and fuzzy. It's okay that you don't get it. No, it's not okay. God damn it. You're an can we swear on this? Yes, yeah. you can. You're, you're a fucking asshole. Okay. This is just a little person struggling to try to know themselves better. And you're judging them through that process. You know, what good does that do anyone? It's, it's not cool. And my son will tell you that his story is really boring because we accepted him. And 
pretty much so did everybody. <laughs> did you did you have to do much? You know, like let's see. So he came out to you guys first. His parents first, kind of. No, his no. friends first. Ah, that, okay, that feels relatable. Yeah, I yeah. feel like okay. Um, and how old was he when when he came out? So he was a senior in high school. However, that being said, the story really started before then. It started when he was around 11 or 12 and he's a writer. So he writes. And his dad and I got divorced. We split up shortly before we got this letter from him and he emailed it to both of us. <laughs> and he was upstairs in my house. <laughs> like, seriously, and it was late and I should have been sleeping and really, what, what is this? And he came out as being bisexual. He defines it as bi, I define it as pan because he had a boyfriend at the time and he said, you know, I see so-and-so not by, and I don't remember the exact words. I actually still have the, I printed it out and I have it in my safe. I see, you know, Joe, name changed, yeah. as the person he is inside, not as being male or female, but because of mm -hmm. how he treats his family. And that's pansexual, not bisexual but you know we why put a label on it but he, at that point he came out that way and around that same time and I don't remember the exact time but somewhere around there he was going up to summer camp and he started and remember he was defined as she her hers back then mm -hmm. stopped shaving under his arms so he's a little bit older than that and stopped shaving his legs because he said guys don't have to do this. Why do girls? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what trans was then. So it wasn't something I thought about. I just thought about, hey, here's this super cool kid who says, you know, screw you because I'm a chick. I can do whatever I want. Now he couldn't go topless in public because he'd be arrested. <laughs> but, you know, and he went off to summer camp in a sleepaway camp, living in a, a girl's cabin mm -hmm. and I, I started thinking you know I wonder how because uh, girls can be really catty and mean and ugly when they're around that age mm -hmm. how that's going to be looked upon is it going to be noticeable and you can tell I mean he wasn't taking hormones back then so not shaving his legs wasn't a big deal when he lifted up his arms you could see right <laughs> but there was never any question about it. And, and the year he started doing that, and I don't remember exactly when it was, he said, oh my God, this was the coolest bunk. That's what I call them. Bunks that we've, I've ever had. And he was at this camp for five years. Cool. So that see, the summer he showed up as his more authentic self, I think that you're like telling us that his peers really accepted him. Yeah, it seems that way. And, and there were some girls, because... Mm -hmm they were in a, a girl's bunk that had been there for years and others who were brand new. The dynamic just worked mm -hmm. at the time. The, the counselors who were in charge, I don't remember because it was several years ago, whether or not some of them were the same because it was a kind of camp where a lot of the same counselors came back. They were treated really well. It was a really cool place. Cool. Somehow the entire dynamic worked. And when he came out as being trans, I thought, oh my God, was he trying to tell me this years ago? And I said to him, oh, I, I, 
just in tears, I'm so sorry, I feel like I missed something back then. And he said, no, you didn't. Mm -hmm. So he, he's very closed about certain things and doesn't want to share them with me. I know he shared them with his friends, be they cisgender, be they trans, be they whatever human beings. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to know, you know, when did you feel this stuff? Because as a little girl, we didn't force male or female toys on then she, right? She had trains. When we went to Disney, you could pick out, we don't care if you're, you know, Buzz Lightyear or all of the princesses. And back then she had every princess costume imaginable to mankind yeah <laughs> so i don't know it's not something that we've talked about i've kind of said things about it but he's been very closed off about it so i don't know i feel like uh that makes a lot of sense too there's like the part where you you said you felt bad like you missed something um, I had, I was at a bar talking to some old timer and he was like, Hey, can you help me with something? I've got a niece and she is young and she identifies as this right now. And what's the best way I can support her. And I was like, Oh, under understand that how she is self-identifying right now will absolutely change as she grows. You know, I feel like the best thing you can tell her to help her ease her through this is that she doesn't have to pick a label and stick with it right now. You know, allow yourself to be as fluid as your curiosities and your interests take you and don't necessarily resist things just because you've self-identified as something, you know, be willing to understand that your label will probably transform as you transform because that's the process of life, mm -hmm. right? You know, you just keep growing. And he was like, oh, awesome. That's great. I was like, yeah, just tell her you'll be there for her, however she decides and let her know that she's not stuck with what she's telling you today, you know? So I feel like where you felt like you maybe missed something, he's probably more right in that, like, you didn't miss anything. It was just a process, you know? It's been, it's been on the way. I mean, I, I, I have no idea. The, the bottom line to all of this, and, and this is the thing when parents or families or friends or allies come and say, how can I best support this person? Be it, doesn't matter what age it is. And I said, it's only two things you need to do, accept and love. Mm -hmm. Those are the two keys. And when you accept and love, you automatically begin to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are the biggest things. I've, I've been on panels where parents have said, you know, what can I do? What, what absolutely can I do for my kid and what am I going to, I'm afraid I'm going to do something that's wrong. And I said, you can't do anything wrong provided you accept and love your child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything else is fine. We're going to make mistakes and it doesn't matter if your kid comes out as being queer or your kid is cisgender and heterosexual. It doesn't matter. Support and love your kid. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, I'm not an advocate of, you know, if your kid decides that they're going to be a, a murderer or a bank robber, or I'm, I'm not a fan that, that you should support those kinds of actions, <laughs> but provided your child is doing things that are legal, then it's just, oh my God, love the, love the kid. And statistics no. have shown 
that 40% of people under the age of 25 who identify as LGBT are in that could possibly, you know, have thought about committing suicide. And that's yeah. huge, yeah. huge. It's a scary statistic, which can be changed very quickly by support and love. Yeah, yeah I think, inclusion. I think that that's like the thing that people need to realize is that the way that you are interacting with your LGBTQIA plus like siblings, friends, children, whatever they are, it shouldn't change from how you treated them before they came out to you. And I think fundamentally the biggest issue with that is people's ego comes into play because like you feel like either left out or like you miss something or like it affects you to some regard because like even when Chris came out, I had a little bit of like a, I was kind of an asshole for like, I would say maybe a week. Uh, it wasn't very long, but at first it was long. very resistant. Well, because we're identical. We'd always agreed on everything. We yeah. like have the literal like same skills and interests. Um, our SAT scores were 10 points apart. We were like, we came out at like the same time, like everything up until Chris came out, we had agreed upon. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a dude. So I don't, I don't, I was like, I don't. Courtney was like, rethink this and come back to the team. Whoa, 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 I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually don't like guys at all. Like I, if men didn't exist in the world, it would be like ideal for me. So like, I'm going to have to make an exception for you. But like, I definitely at first was a little bit like my ego took a hit about it and I made it about me. And then when I finally realized this has actually almost nothing to do with me, <laughs> what makes Chris happiest, then I was just like, then I told everybody, like, if they were going to be an asshole to go fuck themselves, because if I could get over it, then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. then they can get over it, because, like, fundamentally, our identities are tied to each other. Hey, we like, showed up together. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we were always the twins, like, we look the same, his face was going to change, um, so, yeah, I think the biggest issue, though, is ego, and that's, like, with mm -hmm. parents, too, they're like, well, you're going to make your life harder, and really, I think they are worried about that, but they're also worried about the ramifications that then spill over into their life like is my life harder what do I have to mm -hmm. tell my friends yeah. how do I explain this to people um and I think at the end of the day it doesn't matter mm -hmm. it, 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 you bring up so I, I mean so many really good points Courtney when Julian came out as being trans the last thing I thought about was what other people thought because I have always been a you know I'm going to do and feel how I feel and if you don't like it fuck off I don't care yeah, goodbye and, and I am gonna do everything in my power to support my kid. During that process, I, I had a friend who I had known for years and we were very close. When Julian came out, he said to me, oh, Julian doesn't even know what it's like. You know, has he ever even had sex? And I said, that doesn't matter. You don't get it. And this friend told me I needed help, okay? Mm -hmm. I needed help. And you know what I said? I said, until you have gotten help and until you accept, we are done, ciao. And he's mm -hmm. like, like, ciao, like later? And I said, no, like life gone. Mm -hmm. And I haven't spoken to this person in years because I don't care. Mm -hmm. My child is more important and it doesn't matter. And if you can't accept that, then... That's just how it's going to be. And, and my kid came out where he was old enough, where it was for, it was his story to tell. It was his story to tell. 
-hmm. I told two or three of my closest friends. I told a, a friend of mine whose son happens to be gay. And she was so excited, you know, <laughs> but I, I shared it with her because we were such so close and I knew her son was gay and it wasn't because I knew she would be accepting. It's just that I knew she would understand it was somebody I could have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. And my ex-husband and I were extremely accepting and, and that was a great big plus. And I have a, a younger son who's like, yeah, Julian's whatever. He doesn't care. You the know, younger generation, they like don't skip a beat. Our little sister, she was like, I like sat her down and I was like, okay, so it's like Chris now. You have to use like he, him pronouns. Like, do you have any questions? And she's like, no, it's like pretty simple. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, let me know. That, no. that, that generation just gets it. And my youngest, and I don't honestly don't know where he got this from, right? He said, Julian was born this way. And I looked at him and I went, holy crap, how the hell do you know that? You know, I mean, I already knew that. He, he said, Julian can't help that he's trans. He was born that way. And my kids are, are both adopted and they're not biologically related. He, he goes, I don't get it because he's heterosexual. So he's a cisgender heterosexual male. So he doesn't get what it's like to feel that way because just like a transgender person doesn't get what, what I've been cisgender. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> so he doesn't understand why you know how do you feel that way but he's accepting and he said that's just how he is period mm -hmm. end of story no biggie um and they may end up at the same college for one semester <laughs> next year we're gonna see because my okay. son's um staying on for another half a semester and my other has been accepted to the same school so he's deciding where he's gonna go Cool. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, I always wanted to do college with my siblings, but we did. No, we it would have been trouble. <laughs> no, we did with each other, but God. yeah, our little brother is like five years. We're all five years yeah. apart. So we have a little brother who's five years younger, and then a little sister who's like ten years younger. Yeah. So like we graduated right when he started like high school, mm -hmm. you know, and then like he graduated high school right when Alexis started. So it was like we all missed each other. Mm -hmm. It would have been fun. I I did get to do every class with Courtney. Oh my god, it was very fun. <laughs> In college, we just traded off who went to the I was about to say, class. two brains, yes. half the homework. We, Absolutely. Yeah, it's we traded it. off who had to go and take notes, and we split all, oh. we split all oh. the book costs, and we always had a, we always had a partner oh. for projects. Oh. It was brilliant. They should let us do college in pairs. Yeah. I think all kids should be twins. It's like the most <laughs> efficient way to no, do it. No, no, because that's saying that all parents should have twins. <laughs> no. Although, when my second one came around, I thought, Oh my God, I have to do this again. Wouldn't it have been easier to do it all at once? Do it all at once? Yep. I was just starting to <laughs> sort of, they're two and a half years apart, yeah. sort of get my life back. And now I'm starting <laughs> this all over again. But but speaking of college, I want to share with you what happened with Julian when Please. he was going off to college because he was a senior, right? Mm -hmm. And when he applied to school, he was a female, applying as a female. And he still has not changed his, changed his name and gender marker. Why? I don't know. We, his dad and I have both said, you know, do it in Austin. It's really easy. And I know tons of people who can help you. It's not a big deal. And he hasn't. So at school, legally, he's still a she and, and his registered name is something else. But they call him Julian. They couldn't care less. But here's something really interesting that happened. So he came out in May of whatever year it was. College acceptances came out. And he was choosing between the school he, he goes to now and Mount Holyoke. 
And Mount Holyoke, and I mentioned this to Chris, I think, is an all-girls school. Thank God he didn't pick Mount Holyoke <laughs> because they will take transgender women because it's an all-girls school, not but bad. not trans men. Yeah. So, oh my God, thank God, because what on earth would have happened? Yeah. So just before he's going off to college and he has his dorm assignment and the floor on his dorm is it's not a some dorms have co-ed floors right mm -hmm. when i went to school we had a co-ed floor but his his floor was not co-ed and he's on a girl's floor his name and, and gender marker he's still female and applied as a female and because he was a scholarship kid and had the single on that floor his sex determined the sex of the floor, um, but he was a she. Mm -hmm. And he comes to his dad and I and said, hey, can we go to housing and change the floor to male? And we said, whoa, you are two months before school starting. Legally, you have not changed your name and gender marker. So it, it's not a good idea. You really don't care. It'll be interesting to see the dynamic. And we also knew that the director of housing was a gay man because it was blatantly obvious on the school's website that lived on campus with his, I think they were married and their dog. And anyway, we, we, we kind of got the feeling and that the school was gonna be accepting. They also had what they call spin housing, specialty housing, and there's a house called the Queer House. Cool. How do we so, sign up for the queer house? Yeah. <laughs> and so right yeah. we, we get to school and there's a donut. His RA had put little donuts on all the kids' rooms with their names on them. And RA didn't know there's a donut that's a Zoe. And his RA, we'll call her Sue, comes in. I don't remember her name. And uh, Julian says, hey, I identify as Julian rips the donut off the door and comes back with one that says Julian. That's how easy it was. I went, oh my God, this is going to be so cool. And on the bathrooms were paper and you could flip like which sex was in the bathroom. Um, and I thought, mm, okay, this is a really good beginning because my son has a very large chest mm -hmm. and it was up to him how he was going to navigate everything. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this is a really good start so they kick the parents out freshman parents out and they have this little seminar orientation whatever for the parents and he goes to school outside of philadelphia and there were some things we wanted to know as parents having to travel further from texas to philadelphia during certain events so we were talking to the dean or assistant dean i don't remember and we also shared with her about our son being trans and the experience we had just had in the dorm. And she looks at my ex-husband and I and said, you know, we send homophobes home here. You know that, right? Cool. And we went, oh my God, okay. And, you know, we will call your son whatever he wants until he changes his, his name and gender marker. We can't change that in the system. When he does, we can, but and it was my first experience because he had graduated from high school and my concern was, oh my God, you know, how is he going to navigate this? Mm -hmm. Joined a fraternity. Cool. Okay. okay. Freshman cool. year. They couldn't care less. And I went, okay. So he's had a really good experience with that. That's awesome. and, and, and there's none of us could have known it was going to be that way. 
Yeah. So, you know. And all the white men that run the world would want you to think that it's going to be a horrendous activity, you know, to, to just kind of stop you right there, you know, so it's, it's really nice to hear that um, you guys found accommodating higher ed and that that exists, you know? Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, I'm not going to ask where he goes, but is it a public or a private university? It's a small private universe university yeah. and they're super welcoming and yeah is it yeah I, I imagined it might be. I mean I think pu like a public university might also be great but depending which one it is yeah, yeah. I mean not, I not a and <laughs> maybe not like Texas Tech I don't know um well I wasn't out yet in college so I had I didn't start my transition until after I graduated college but I do know that they were super very nice about my diploma which, um, oh. but like, so long story short, and just a summary of me as a human being, I graduated and I graduated early, but I refused to get my diploma because they told me I owed them money for a parking ticket. And I told them, I already gave you like 18 grand a year and like, I'm not going to pay for a parking ticket. I don't need a paper. Um, <laughs> so for like three years, I didn't have my diploma because I'm, I'm just, because like, you want to, yeah, yeah, whatever. But also because at the time I graduated, I was still Chloe and I was like I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get a diploma when I I knew I was trans when I was in college just hadn't done all mm -hmm. the things and then like one year for Christmas the sweetest gift my mom has ever given me is that she had gone to my university told them I changed my name they didn't make her pay a fine they just released my diploma and they changed my name on it and I was oh, like wow I was like it was that easy but also when a mom calls and they're like I have a trans son and I'm doing this for a Christmas gift you bet that woman at the registrar's office was probably like who cares about thirty dollars <laughs> but when yeah, I called they're like you owe us for a parking ticket oh my god <laughs> well good for for your mom I mean it, it's really hard to navigate and this is just as a parent period regardless of what how your kid identifies you know how do we raise our kids what are the things that we can do that are helpful to our children and because my my son is now um yeah he just turned 22 i allow him to guide me and i have to because it's his story it's what do what do you want me to do our very first um homecoming at school we had breakfast in the president's house at school and i thought okay how am i introducing my kid because there's parents sitting next to us and his name is julian and he's his pronouns are he and that's what i know right mm -hmm. and as far as i know the last couple of months that's what he's been doing at school but i know that if these parents don't know all this stuff they're probably going to go i don't get it like there's a boy but he has big boobs and they they may have walked away scratching their heads i don't know right. but we were in a conversation just with a family and i said you know my son julian and when we left the breakfast i said to julian did i do the right thing is that what you wanted me to do he's like yeah absolutely i didn't tell him those parents might be going huh i don't understand i have no idea you know mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. but it didn't matter because the first thing we have to do as parents is respect our children's wishes provided we know what they are totally 
Yeah. Uh, we would love to thank Draper Startup House for hosting our podcast, for giving us a space to sound pretty and crisp and professional. Um, if you are interested in co-working or recording a podcast or just utilizing their space in any capacity, you can use our code queer for it for 20% off. And that's for any of their memberships just or dropping in. Um, definitely check it out. They also do free co-working on Thursday, so pop by and try it out before you purchase anything. Yeah, we love the space. It's... We're in here today, and they have a tons of free beverages downstairs for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and they've been pushing those on us, so I'm glad this episode came out coherent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my, my son, when he started taking tea, he started taking tea when he was... In, in college. So it was so nice to know that the Mazzoni Center existed because I knew he wasn't going to be going to see some wacko doctor who didn't know what on earth they were doing. And totally. what was real, mm -hmm. it, 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 there was this level of comfort. And I also knew he told us the story of another friend he had at school who identifies the same way as he does as, as trans male, trans masculine. And they sent him home, not my son, this friend of his, the first time from the Mazzoni Center and said, yeah, you're not ready. And it made me, and I don't know what transpired and what went on because oh, yeah. they go through a series of stuff before they'll write a, a script because right. he had to go back a second time. And I thought, you know, I'm not a professional. To me, my son is trans because that's who he says he is and he's been living that life, but I am not all things that, and I'm not in the medical community. So if they feel he's not ready, then they won't give it to him. Right. I mean, there's definitely like a fine line between like worrying that like healthcare people are gatekeeping um, mm -hmm. accessible healthcare, but also like there is some level of like, I mean, I started at um, Callum Lord in New York City, which is like the Mazzoni Center. It's an LGBTQ clinic. And I was over 18, I was 22, so it was informed consent. But I had to, at the time, there's all sorts of hoops you really have to jump through. I had to have a letter from a therapist. I had to prove really? that I was, you know, how long had I been living as like male X, Y, and Z, which is like just, I mean, there's all sorts That's of like wild. bullshit about yeah. like trans healthcare. But also on the flip side, like, there is a small percentage of people that may not be ready, you know? So like it, you have to trust, especially somewhere like the Mazzoni Center or Callan Lord mm -hmm. or like an Austin, the kind clinic, they probably have a series of like, like things they ask people and mm -hmm. things that they know. Like, so you kind of have, like, there's a fine line. Advocate for yourself as someone starting testosterone or starting your transition, but also like trusting that, especially if it is somewhere that specializes in trans healthcare, that like, if they sent that person home, maybe they did say something that they were like, okay, this, this was a red flag, mm -hmm. like something here, you know? Yeah. Just, which is, well, and it, it helped me as a parent have a level of comfort. Number one, that he's, he's ready and okay. And number two, he's going to have the correct dosage and it's going to be, the process is going to be right, that he's going to a center and this is what they do right. versus just some standalone you know, physician kind of thing. And it's, it's something that his dad and I talked about when he's ready to have top surgery. Cause we told him, yeah, that's fine. Not a big deal, mm -hmm. but he still isn't mature enough to know how to do the research, to make sure that it's a physician who has done a lot of these, asked the right questions. His dad and I said, well, we're going to choose the doctor. Well, why? 
Well, two reasons. Number one, we have to make sure it's in a location where somebody is available to take care mm -hmm. of you for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. And number two, we wanna make sure that you're getting the best health care. That's why. And we don't feel confident that you at your age, based upon <laughs> what you've done in the past, shows that you're able to do that. Right. So we're totally cool with you doing it, but we yeah. wanna make sure it's the best and it is successful and it is done right and that you are comfortable and you're taken care of. And if you wanna hate your dad and I because of that, too bad, so sad. So since you're still on your dad's insurance, you don't have a choice. And there's Funny. this thing. I, have, I mean, I, I, I have one question for you. Are you still adopting, please? Yeah, I'm like, if still my adopting been children. Like, it's on our insurance. We get to decide. I would have been like, okay. Like, my mom went to my top surgery, but like, she, I mean, my mom is very supportive and great, but also like, we took a while to get there, like, super a while to get there. And we still have our, you know, but, um, she hasn't to this day never asked me a question about my transition. She just like, she just trusts that I know mm. what, like, she has since I have been young, like, respected and trusted that I'm going to make the right decisions for me. But, like, she never questioned who I was going to for top surgery. She didn't ask, she's never once asked me, like, what could testosterone possibly do to my body? Like, yeah. what, what dose am I on? I've been on testosterone for six years. Are there it's any never questions been a that you don't know the answers to yet that you would like to? Yeah, she has never, but she did go to my top surgery, insisted she was going. She didn't pay a dime towards it, which is fine, but mm -hmm. which is cool. I'm, I'm an adult. Like yes, I sir. figured it out, but like showed up, had to be the one in the back room with me. Cause you know, I'm her kid and I'm just like, and she loved the doctor and the surgeon. She was very happy with everything, but I was just like, it's such an, it's a different dynamic of that. You're like, we are going to control this. My mom was like, this is your job, <laughs> but I will be there because you're my kid and you've never been under anesthesia before. So I absolutely have to be there. That's um, so interesting. I'm just, so I'm just now, I realized in the last year that I super want to have top surgery. Um, not because I feel like I'm the wrong gender, but just, it feels like the right decision for me. And I just started exploring telling my family about it. And so I recently tested telling my sister. I do like to tell people things when I know that they also have a lot going on. So maybe they won't be able to dedicate too much emotional time or thought to this. So my sister calls me because she um, was just about to have her baby like the next day or something. And we're just catching up and chit-chatting. And I was like, hey, sis, I think I'm gonna, you know, I think I'm ready to like, uh get rid of my boobs and she's like oh nice a reduction and I was like no I think I'm gonna get like full top surgery just full man chest I just want to feel better I want to fit in clothes now that I found out I have this physical disability um it would make a great difference for that and I just don't want to ever have to wear a bra again and I want to feel better about being myself I've had double d since I was in sixth grade I don't I just don't for what you know <laughs> and she was like Oh, sis, I think that'll be great. You're going to love yourself. You're going to feel so much better. You're going to be awesome. She's like, and you know, fuck whatever anyone says, you know, when we're at the beach or if the family gets together, she's like, she's like, I'll tell them, you know, to stop saying anything about it unless they're planning on having sex with you. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad for family. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, sis. And she has, a, a, in, our, in our family, my sister surpassed my parents and is now the matriarch of our whole family. <laughs> um, and when I came out, I, you know, I, I told my parents and they totally exploded and they hated me and I was going to hell and they sent me on the first flight out of there. Um, and when I got down and told my siblings, I got them all together because there's five of us. I was like, hey guys, this is me 
you know, you know, I'm gay, you know, all the stuff, that's it. And they were like, uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, like almost didn't look up from the video game. So I was like, all right, cool. And my sister was like, yeah, sis, duh. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Awesome. And then as my parents ignored me for almost two years, my sister was like, hey, what the hell are you two doing? Like, you got five kids, you're just gonna let one drop off. You know, she's the most fun one of all of us. You think we're gonna sit around and play board games on family vacations without her and have a good time? Not, <laughs> probably not. So y'all need to go make a connection or you're gonna lose talking the opportunity to talk to me. And my parents were like, oh shit, okay. You know, we don't wanna, we're not trying to lose more kids, you know? So they, they came back around, but it was 100% because I had my sister as that advocate inside, you know? And so now I'm working on, I've got the funds. Now I'm trying to identify a good doctor for me because I do need to take into account this collagen difficulty that I have. Um, and I'm excited and I'm excited to be able to, you know, I know I have my sister on my team. So like, you know, everyone else can shut the hell up, <laughs> you know? And I, it's a, it's wonderful that like, that's what you guys are for Julian, whether you're together or not, whether you're biological or not, um, you know, it's inspiring. So again, if you're taking adoption submissions, <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, part of it is insurance. The insurance he's on will pay for it. Cool. So finding a physician within his insurance. And that's something that we looked at. And that's why we looked to see who the doctors were. And we had done our research and, you know, found a doctor, but that was years ago. And we don't want to push it. I mean, uh, we were the ones saying, okay, you know, you need to do it here because you need X amount of time yeah. and it needs to fit in with your life and you need to be doing this stuff. And then his dad and I said, all right, you know, we give up. <laughs> we know that he wants us because he and I had a conversation about it. I was curious. And normally if there's a question I'm going to ask him where I'm not sure he's going to answer, I start it with, hey, I know you might not answer this. And his smart ass remark always is, then why, why bother to ask? And I said, well, I'm going to anyway. And it was about surgery, you know, just from the standpoint of being your parent and being there to support you and making sure it fits in with what's going on with your life. Because his dad and I really don't, he, he's not mature enough where he is to understand that these things have to happen. You know, you're going to graduate from college, you're going to get a job, you're going to, who knows where you're going to live. And but this was amidst the college experience. He just has one more semester to go saying, okay, it makes more sense to do it, you know, in the summer because you're home longer. Oh, but now you have an internship. Okay, winter break, but when are you coming home and are you going to be home long enough and then making the drive back or you're going to leave your car there so then you can just fly back and oh yeah, you have this cat you have to pick up and oh my God, like think about all of these things because they're important, which was why his dad and I were pushing saying, we know you want to do this. So, okay, we're here. Let's just get it done. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And he hasn't done it yet. So, yeah. No. Well, his yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll do it when, when, when I, you decide it's right for you. Yeah. I definitely thought for a long, I knew for a long time, I do not associate with my chest. It just doesn't, it's not really part of my identity. Um, it is more a bother and a drag than um, it is it adding to my life, you know? And I talked to the person I'm in a relationship with, you know, and they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. If you think it'll make you feel better about yourself, cool. And then, you know, making a timing decision around it. So, you know, now I'm at ASAP and I'm interviewing doctors and I'm really excited. But I know that if I, from the time I made the decision 
to the time I felt ready to start taking action on the decision was definitely probably like a year, you know, because I wanted to, like they say with tattoos, you want to get a tattoo, you know, think about it for quite a while because it's, while things are reversible, you know, that's more effort too. Um, so yeah, I was, ju I just let it sit there in my mind. I tried it on, tried it on, tried it on all the time. And every time I hooked a bra, I was like, I'm going to kill myself if I fucking <laughs> have to wear this for more than two hours at a time. Um, so yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah. The, the other thing he chose not to do is he chose not to bind because it would hurt so much. He knew, yeah. I don't even know if he tried. Yeah. He's the kind of kid who does do research and just knowing how large he was, that it wasn't healthy and it would be horribly uncomfortable. So he wears really big shirts. Sometimes he get he gets misgendered because you can still tell and other times he doesn't. And he, he's like, I'm used to it, you know, and, and he's come to this realization that people look at me and it's hard to determine sometimes how I should be gendered because I still have these two body parts that belong to some other sex that I don't identify with. Sure. Has he ever come to you or have parents come to you about how to help with bullying? Parents have come to us. Mm -hmm. He has never, because to the best of my knowledge, he has not been bullied. You know, there may have been small instances, but his dad and I don't know about them. But yes, parents have absolutely come. And, and I've seen it in the PFLAG environment with regard to, you know, my kid is being bullied or my kid can't come to these, you know, it is not any longer permitted to have sleepovers with so-and-so. And and how do I handle that? And, and the answer is, again, love and support your kid, right? Because at the end of the day, that is the most important thing, no matter what. So the first thing is, we, I, I always say, love and support your kid, no matter what they're going through, and let them know that you are there no matter what. And how you respond to that depends upon the age of your kid, right, and the situation. You know, is it happening at school? Is it happening on the playground? And how old is your kid? And are they able, what are they able to communicate and verbalize? And is it with friends? Is it with family? Is it with strangers? So there's so many what ifs, you know, how you handle it is different in every situation. The key again is love and support. And then understand the situation before you can actually give a strategic plan to that child. Now, if the, the kid is too young, to be able to handle that situation, or if a parent comes and says, hey, you know, my kid's six and this is what's going on, then often the parent needs to be that conduit between the child and the situation and or the event. Mm -hmm. So there's no one right answer, just like there's no one way that somebody comes out. Yeah, right. Yeah, it should be a grayscale. It's a... Uh, you know, there, there's no black and white, but I will say it over and over and over again, because I firmly believe this. And I know this is true, except in love, except in love, except in love. Yeah, that's what I was. We, we recently were um, having to figure out how to deal with a cyber bully. Um, oh, you're and, saying that. You know, I think we were hesitant to engage, but what what we eventually decided was that this man is trans and he's part of our community. And so his voice does matter. Um, and if he has this much to say about our company, you know, then uh, maybe there's helpful information we can get from him. Let's talk to him. And uh, we engaged him in a Zoom call. And even though I would say, especially on the twins part, it took like 
courage and it took um, you know, being able to remain calm and, and being able to like, uh, like Courtney was saying earlier, like be over your ego, you know, have better self-control than your ego might want to um, present itself. Uh, and after we engaged with him, it turned out to be a super, I think a really positive event for all of us. He came away with, you know, uh, a thousand percent less uh, vitriol than he started for us um, and a bunch more you know we were able to hear his concerns and then uh, you know let him know from our company standpoint you know how the reason why some of these things were and how we'd been engaging with them and he had some great tips for us you know that we could take forward into growing um, so I and it was that but it's that the key was that we didn't engage with him on like a uh, you know we engaged with him with love and inclusiveness. You know, it was conversational. It wasn't, you have something bad to say, get out of here. We didn't polarize him. We didn't oversimplify the interaction, which is like, you're bad, we're good. We said, this is complex. Let's talk to him. Let's get deeper with each other. Because mostly we're all more alike than we are not alike. It's just like the media or mm. politics that might want us to think that we're all polar opposites of each other and we have to super fight for the caricatures of what our side is you know well i mean this is like kind of a tangent off of like just talking about everything you're involved with but like i think that whole interaction with him was like a huge example of like something i've experienced within the trans community of, the, of that like a lot of trans folks can end up being like hypercritical and like almost to the point of bullying because they are so used to getting that from other people. Mm -hmm. And they it's so much within the trans community because they're just like used to everyone giving them basically the shit under the stick. And you're like, no, no, we're like here on the same yeah. page. Like we're on like obviously like we don't all know each other and we don't all have the same interests, but like we're on the same team. Like, you know, my base issue with like kind of confronting cyberbullying is I'm like vaguely popular on the internet yeah. and also run a business and like like nice to make him feel heard you know and like having a conversation and I think it was just a lot of misdirected mm -hmm. anger as a trans person that was just like well no one else listens to me so let me just like talk to other trans people which like we just feel like a lot more like yeah we'll listen to you like you're not gonna get that same response from like cis straight people or like sure you know and corporations you or anyone else so like maybe that's the only venue with, within which people are heard you know i don't know but yeah the, and if he had and he if he had come to us like being really nasty you know then it wouldn't have been a conversation we could have supported you know we just would have let him know hey thanks for trying to take the time it didn't work out you know have a good one um, but he, I think because we came to him so open and vulnerable, he, where he might have been really aggressive or feeling aggressive, uh, to start the conversation, you know, he really was like, oh, cool. These people are hearing me. They're giving me a chance to talk. Uh, and my voice is valid here. Awesome. And, you know, we turned someone from a, from like basically a hater to, uh, you know, something that was productive for the company, uh, and potentially neutralized, you know? So that was great for us. I just kind of wanted like your take on bullying because I, I, I was bullied a lot by my family um, when I was younger just because I was fat forever. Um, but it also made me a great bully. I was, a, I was so talented. 
But then I realized that it's a lot easier to make friends by making them laugh than it is by bullying them uh, and switch my tactics. You know, I was like, oh, cool. I will be the class clown. I don't want to be the class bully anymore. Well, see, what you guys did was you created a space for this bully that showed love and peace and it, it, a space where that person could be vulnerable and, and courageous, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't create that space and you go at a bully and you mirror that bully with more bullying, mm -hmm. it never works, right? Mm -hmm. Kill somebody with kindness because kindness goes so much further than being ugly. And you never know, right? We never know what kind of a day somebody has been through. We never know exactly what they're going through. You have no idea without asking. You don't live inside that person's head. And one of the things, actually, it's not one of the things, it's the thing I hate the most when people say, I know how you feel. <laughs> no, you don't. You're not me. And if someone says to you, just because they're trans, right? That doesn't mean they know how you feel, Chris. Just because they're, 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 they're queer, Chris, that doesn't mean they know how you feel. They haven't lived your life every single day and they don't know. And guess what? You're, hey, stranger bully asshole, I don't need to tell you my entire life story, but I'm willing to meet you in a place where we're, giving you this forum where you can be vulnerable, you can be courageous, you can share, and it's going to be okay. So trying to meet somebody in a different place. Yeah. And yeah. that's really helpful. There's no one absolute answer, right? It's vanilla, vanilla. There's no, <laughs> it's vanilla, by the way, but. <laughs> that's funny. I know I heard someone say, uh, pecan today instead of pecans or pecan. and I was like what's he talking about what's pecan what's a pecan um yeah Bonnie thank you do you have we're getting ready to wrap it up um do you have any resources that you could tell us about that uh would be helpful for trans folk or their parents I know we a little bit talked about PFLAG but just anything we're trying to sort of collect uh, a place for that Absolutely. Well, gosh, and I wish I had brought, um, um, and I could send it to you and I guess yeah, you could, we can share uh, it with the episode, but, um, I, and I will grab, I'll, I'll have to get it. I have a list of some books and websites. And the, the thing is, once you get to one, you're kind of often referred to another. So the absolute one best authentic place to go to is just pflag.org. That is the national website. And within that, you will find additional resources and they have booklets and they, the, there are other links within that website to, to go. In addition, they list a whole bunch of books. I mean, the books that I read are now have been outdated and have churned and have changed. Oh gosh, I don't have it, it's, it's packed. Um, I'll have to, let me get the, the, I'll get the resource list to you. There is a book and I can't remember the name of it, but it was written by a, I believe she's a psychiatrist in Houston. And it was written for parents of transgender kids about how to take care of yourself with this newfound 
and it's not new, but it's new to the parent, right? This newfound revelation that you have a transgender kid and it's okay to have these thoughts and feelings. So I have a resource list that I've used, but if I have to say one place to start that is accurate and fabulous and free and really easy is go online to pflag.org. That is the national website for PFLAG, over 400 chapters throughout the United States. The one, if I had to pick one place, that is a great starting starting place. But I will get you the resource list that I have. Is that, um, well, I was going to guess at that book because I was trying to Google it, but actually I won't. We'll figure out exactly what it is because there was. Like I, 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 I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head because I have CRS disease. It's can't remember shit, just so you know. Um, I'll write it down. That's that, so that's what I got, but I, I will get that for you. Yeah, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. Just having some resources linked. Um, I think this was really great. I know. Um, Bonnie, honestly, thank you so much. Friends, this was our friend of the pod, Bonnie Erzo, uh, former president of PFLAG Austin for two years, mother to a trans individual, and a contributor to my favorite accelerator here in Austin for people of color to think. Um, so Bonnie, thank you so, so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm deeply thankful. I'm appreciative of being a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. I thank my son for that. My son was the catalyst of so many things that have happened in my life. Um, Div Inc eventually evolved because of that as well. Yeah. And I, I love and adore Preston and, and I'm happy to be able to help um, he and, and their mission in any way. So it's all good. Bonnie, you're the best. I can't, I feel so bad how much I get talking to you. I hope we're contributing to you in some yeah. way. I, you know what? This it makes me, it makes me feel good to be able to help. And that's what it's, that's what life's about. Cause damn it, if you're not helping people then go the hell away. So yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you even breathing for? Yeah. Well, we, we super appreciate it. And this was awesome to be able to talk to like the parent of a trans kid and like get your perspective of it obviously I like know my mom's perspective of it but totally. like I'd love to hear someone else's and it was really this is actually our first virtual remote uh guest recording. that we've done yeah. like recording yeah thank you so it was well I hope it all worked out well and you know what god damn it you're all just kids so it doesn't really matter I agree. <laughs> thank you Bonnie thank you so much you're a friend you're of welcome. our pod and we'll keep in touch with you okay sounds great guys thank you see us yeah. later bye Thanks again, Draper Startup House, for hosting us. We love recording here and hanging out in this space. If you're looking for a co-working space or podcasting spot, check out Draper Startup House, and feel free to use our code QUEERFOR for 20% off any of their co-working packages or passes. As always, we are constantly on the look for guests for upcoming episodes. We can either record remotely or in person if you're in the Austin area. So. Never hesitate to reach out to us, shoot us a message, or even if you just have an idea for a great guest for us, totally. we are open to that. If you know someone or you think someone would be interested but they don't know about us, connect us. We are just trying to talk to people in our community. Um, okay, that's our show for this week. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Queer For It. You can send us an email at queerforitpodcast at gmail.com and visit our website, queerforit.com. And visit Flaunt's website, flaunt.com, and get some cool queer gear. Do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get weird podcasts. We're on all of them. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about us. Shoot us any questions or topics 
that you would love us to talk about or cover in the future. And until next time, we love you, so you should too. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.